And I can say that. And I can say that she did right by my girls. And you're not just saying that because we're recording this and we'll publish it to the world. (laughs) You know what? I'll go ahead and say it. I don't like her. You're listening to the Nacho Kids Podcast, where we discuss all things step family related. Real stories, real people, real help. Your hosts are the creators of the Nacho Kids Method and the Nacho Kids Academy Step Family Coaching Team, Lori and David Sims. David, mm-hmm. I am such a bad person. All right, what did you do? I forgot to announce the winners of the Sylvia Krakauer Nacho Kids Academy Scholarship. That's bad. Like, I don't understand how you slept last night. I didn't. That was why. Because <laughs> I realized it. Uh, all right, so you, you have more than one? I do. Wow, how long have you been? I just have two because oh. December is. Oh, that's right, we're doubling every up. week. Yeah. Oh, sweet. Okay. All right, who we got? The winners of the Nacho Kids Academy Sylvia Krakauer. Nacho Kids Academy Scholarship. There you go. Thank I you. I know it's a mouthful. I'll help you. Yeah. Is dum da da dum Holly W. Congratulations, Holly. And Claudia R. And Claudia. Congratulations. Holly and Claudia, check your emails. You should have an email from me, and we will get you started on your free month of the Nacho Kids Academy. That's right. You'll be hearing from me, girl. And we, again, would like to thank Sylvia Krakauer for her donation to make this possible. Absolutely. Which is coming to an end. Yes, it is. Isn't it over with at the end of this month? Yes, it's over at the end of this month. Wow. That's a that's a ton of people, though, that she's helped. Yes. And we may, you and I need to talk about this because I would like to continue it. Maybe we can do one every couple of months or something like that. Okay. Well, we'll talk about it later. Try to figure something out. Yeah. But if you do choose to make a donation to help others have a scholarship to the Nacho Kids Academy, we will match that. Mm -hmm. We sure will. All right, David. I don't want to talk about Christmas this time. (laughs) Good, because I'm tired of buying you stuff. You know what? I am slacking completely all around in my life. I don't think so, because the number of Amazon packages I see showing up here, I don't think you're slacking at all. As a matter of fact, not only do we know personally the UPS man, but also the FedEx man, the USPS man, and even the Amazon delivery people. We've got such a good network. Yeah. But of all those boxes, one thing was mine. Well, the funniest thing about it is when you get packages in, like your son tears into them like it's Christmas. Yeah, and I tell him to stop doing that because he's going to end up opening one of his Christmas gifts. I'm going to order something like crazy, like crazy weird. So when he opens it up, it's going to be like, oh my gosh. That would be the one thing he wouldn't open. That's true. Okay, so let's get to getting. Let's talk about our guest today. All right, who we got? Megan Bottom. Oh, Megan. We found out about Megan through YouTube. Mm-hmm. Someone had made me aware of the fact that she had something on YouTube about Nacho Kids. Well, yep, we're always interested in hearing what people have to say. Yes, so I listened to it, and I'm like, uh, I don't think she gets it. So I reached out to her and asked her to be a guest on our podcast. And prior to us starting the recording for the podcast, we talked to her about Nacho Kids, mm-hmm. and I think she got it. Yeah. Well, it's it's an opportunity for us to talk to somebody to figure out where is the message going wrong, because most of the time, people get their information from other people or the Facebook group or whatever, which... Or other Facebook groups. <laughs> right. Which oftentimes is inaccurate. Sometimes it's somewhat accurate. It's got some things mixed in with it or whatever, but... We don't often have a chance to ask somebody 
what do you think it is and, and where do you see things with the Nacho Kids method so that we can understand what our messaging needs to be? Because ultimately, it's our responsibility to get the right message out to the right people at the right time. But it boils down to this. If it doesn't come from the horse's mouth, <laughs> then it might not be correct. That's true with almost anything. Yes. Yeah. But we had a, a great conversation with her before the recording and during the recording. Yes, we did. Um, and so uh, she's doing, her and her husband are doing some, some things around blended families and all that. So mm-hmm. To tell you a little bit about Megan, they've been blending 10 and a half years. Mm-hmm. Between them, they have five girls and one boy. Mm. Poor little boy. Her and her now husband met online. She had planned to relocate to where he was living. They had a court hearing that morning, basically, it sounds like, that they were on their way to move. The hearing didn't go as expected. Mm -hmm. So her kids stayed with her ex-husband, and she moved with her new husband. Yeah, that had to be like a big punch in the gut. I couldn't have done it. I'd have had to leave you. (laughs) I I really. Oh, I know you would have. Yeah. Um, that's one of those things where until you're put in that position, you're just like, I don't, I don't know how that would feel. Right. And she did say that she thought it was best for the kids mm-hmm. to stay with the dad. And that's a tough thing, too, that we sometimes have to talk to people about is when you really put your feelings aside and focus on what's best for the kids, oftentimes it's not what you really wanted. Um, like, for example, with me, I remember making a decision to let the ex had the kids 50-50 because I had them most of the time. And quite frankly, I didn't want to do it. But I did see where the kids were having a lot of issues with so much shifting around uh, because she would have them one day and then there'd be like two more days and she'd get them one more day and then you know two more days. It was just crazy. They were back and forth too much. And so when we made that shift to you know week on, week off, I think they benefited from that. Um, that part of it of not having to shift around so much. I hate to say this, though. Things got worse with us when the kids did go to 50-50. Yeah, it did. And I think it's because prior to that, they had 11 days of structure Mm -hmm. and then three days of fun life. Right. And then they would come back to 11 days of structure. When it was 50-50, it's almost like they resented the structure more because they had more freedom at the other home. Mm-hmm. It's like we didn't have enough time to instill our good values in those kids. Yeah. Well, when we first got divorced, before before you popped into the picture, um, I mean, we were changing. I don't remember how frequently, but I do re- recall that we were changing schedules kind of, you know, as needed. So I remember, like, she got them every Thursday and then every other weekend. Right. And we were often, you know, trying to be amicable during fights. Or between fights. <laughs> so like, you know, I need to get them this weekend and you need to get them another weekend. And we're swapping out um, until, it, you know, finally got to the point where we just like, look, we can't even, we can't work anything out right now. It's going to be court order or nothing. Right. So anyway. Yeah, that was a long explanation. Yes, it was. <laughs> we have a tendency to do that. <laughs> but sometimes it is hard for us to see what may be best for the kids. Mm-hmm. And I didn't think to ask Megan this, but obviously prior to her not winning the court case, she thought it would be best for them to go with her. But she realized that it was best for them to stay and not uproot them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I don't know. I'm sure there were some factors there that played into that. Um, because if you're going to 
try to fight it or, you know, how much animosity is that going to create? And, and oftentimes, and I'm not saying it happened in this situation, but oftentimes when you stir up the hornet's nest, the hornets aren't necessarily coming after you. They end up hitting the kids. Right. And, uh, and that's another thing to, to keep in mind. Cause I, I know I see that often when one bio parent stirs the other one up and the next thing you know, the kids are the ones that suffer for it. Yes. I have seen that personally. Yep. So, and that, uh, that plays into the, uh, equation. All right. So let's get to getting again. Get to getting. All right. We'll get to listening. How about that? Let's get to listening. All right. To Megan Bottom. And she is with Broken to Blessed. All right. Very good. Here we go. Right after a word about the Nacho Kids Academy. There is a way to save your sanity and your relationship, and it's called the Nacho Kids Academy. In the Nacho Kids Academy, you will learn the skills and knowledge to properly nacho, techniques to handle stepfamily challenges, ways to improve your communication, and much, much more. Visit NachoKidsAcademy.com and sign up today to join other step parents who are seeing the life-changing benefits of nachoing. Again, that's NachoKidsAcademy.com. Today, we have Megan with the Blended Family Marriage Coaches. Hey, Megan, how are you? I'm good, Lori. How are you? Doing well, doing well. Hey, y'all. <laughs> <laughs> David's here, too. Hi, David. Hey. All right. So tell us a little bit about you and your blend. How long have you been blending? Well, we have been married for j- about 10 and a half years now. Um, we jumped into marriage way too soon, if you ask anybody in our family. And um, we only dated for a short time before we got married. I have three kids and my husband has three kids. We have five girls and one boy. Poor little boy. <laughs> we always say that when he gets married, there's nothing his wife can throw at him that he hasn't already seen. Hmm. <laughs> you said you got married pretty quick or too quickly. How quick did you get married? Like in a day? Um, no, we weren't that quick. We met online and we had a long distance relationship in about November timeframe. We kind of got serious and committed to each other before we even met face to face. He flew to Vegas and invited me to fly to Vegas to spend the weekend there together in the end of November. And we were married by March. So it was really quick. We met first for the first time face to face in at the end of November and we were married at the end of March. Well, I thought you were going to tell me that Elvis Presley married you in Vegas. Oh, that would have been awesome, but <laughs> we're not ready to take that leap quite yet. <laughs> <laughs> oh, boy. You said it was a long-distance relationship. It was. We actually got married in March, and we didn't move in together until June. Um, when we did move in, the custody arrangement was weird. I always have a hard time talking about our story because I don't want to take away from the kids or insult our co-parents that we're raising the kids with in any way. But his kids were in a pretty rough spot. He had spent the previous two years... Well, the previous five years in the military, and in that five years, he did two deployments. And he really wasn't even very familiar with his own children. And his ex-wife was kind of MIA. She would come and go, and she was not in a good place. We have since reconciled that she has an amazing relationship with her kids, so I don't want to take that credit from her. It was just not a good place for anybody when we first got married. And my kids stayed here. When I moved there to be with him, my kids stayed here with their dad in the only home, in the only family that they've ever known, in the only school. It was a disaster. So we were married for three months and then we moved in together in June and we were good for about a year, which is traditional of blended family marriages. And then after that, about the two year mark is when things really started to go downhill. Um, Really the biggest thing that happened at that two year mark is that we moved closer to his family and closer to his 
ex-wife's family as well. So we started co-parenting with the ex-wife as well as with her extended family. So the kids' grandparents and aunts and uncles. We, for the first time, were starting to co-parent with them when before that was never an issue. So that really played a big stress on our marriage. How old were the kids when you got married? They ranged in age. The oldest was 12 and the youngest was four. And they go his, mine, his, mine, his, mine in age. The older five are within four years of each other, within two and a half years of each other. (laughs) It's easier to do the math right now than it is then. So right now they're 22. One will be 21 this month, 20, 20, 19. Is that all five of them? 22, 21, 20, 20, and 19. Yeah. So that's five. Where's the other one fit? Well, she's 15, 14. (laughs) So she's coming along, but she's, she's the youngest. She's the baby by far. So we've got five right in the same age group. The youngest of the five is the boy. So he just turned 19 in September. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. You've got them right there together. That's for sure. We do. We do. And it's funny. Our two oldest are Hannah with an H and Tana with a T. So it's kind of (laughs) funny. (laughs) So how did the kids feel about y'all getting married? They didn't know anything about it. Yeah, they did. (laughs) Not really. No, I'm just kidding. (laughs) Surprise. Yeah, they were excited. Hindsight's always 2020, right? And looking back, those poor kids had so much change in such a short time. And this, again, is something that we find very typical within blended families. It's easy for adults. It's not easy, but adults can pinpoint feelings of loneliness or scared or in love or those feelings, but kids have a hard time pinpointing those feelings. So the poor kids, you know, they experienced that whole gamut of feelings and now they're expected to accept this new person into their life as well. I have a history of domestic violence, not with my kids' dad, but with a short relationship shortly after. And my kids had a really hard time trusting my current husband because of that history of domestic violence. And his kids really just, they were just really unsettled. There was a whole lot of unsettledness among them and then enter stepmom. (laughs) So I think that everybody wanted to love the situation and love the people in the situation, but wanting to and actually doing it are two different things. Mm -hmm. So you said your kids stayed with their dad. They did. And how far away was that from you? It was a trek, um, about 1500 miles. So we Mm. moved to central Texas and my kids stayed here in Nevada. Wow. Yeah. (laughs) Not what we wanted. Again, this is hard for me not to, I I never want to insult my kids as father because they absolutely adore the man and he's a great dad. But literally we had a custody hearing on our way to Texas and that didn't go in our favor like we had anticipated, right, wrong or indifferent. That's just what happened. So not what we had wanted, not what we had thought was going to happen. But nonetheless, now I have a moving van full of stuff and I'm moving to live with my husband. So it was very interesting to say the least. So you had planned to bring them with you and then that changed like last minute. Yes, I had planned. Uh, like I said, there is definitely a history there of trauma from domestic violence with my children. Um, my children were never harmed, but I was and they witnessed a lot of that. And so my middle daughter always stayed with her dad from that point forward. But we did a great job of having 50-50 custody of the oldest and the youngest. And that was who I was going to take with me. Okay. It had to be so hard for you to leave your kids. It was unreal. (laughs) Um, Yeah, it was. It was very unreal. And I had this moment of, do I choose my husband or do I choose my kids? And really what would be best for them? And 
that was really when we decided, my husband and I decided that we have to show them what a healthy marriage looks like and we have to offer them stability. And to be honest with you, the most stable point for them right then was where they were. Um, like I said, they were going to the only school that they've ever known. They were, you know, in, in the house that they've known for years. And right then in that moment, the most stability for them was with their dad, but at the, because, you know, we were moving across the country. <laughs> mm-hmm. So we made it our goal to show those girls, because I only have girls, the boy is my stepson. We made it our goal to show those girls what a healthy, happy marriage is and why it's important. And now they're amazing. I have an amazing relationship with my daughters. I think you told me, Lori, that this is going to come out in a couple months. So I'll go ahead and make it public. I'm going to be a grandma. My oldest daughter is expecting. She's just barely expecting, but she's expecting and they're married and happy. And I love the relationship that I get to have now with my kids. We spent summers together. We spent breaks together. I would come here and I had like uninterrupted time with just my kids because my husband would stay back with his kids. And like, I'd come here for six or seven weeks over the summertime and just get to love on my kids, just me and my kids. And so I have an incredible relationship with my daughters, but they also have a stepmom that is amazing. And I can say that. And I can say that she did right by my girls. And you're not just saying that because we're recording this and we'll publish it to the world. (laughs) You know what? I'll go ahead and say it. I don't like her. I don't have a good relationship with her at all. We are not friends on social media. We don't communicate. We don't have that. But my girls absolutely love her. And in the end, that's all that matters. Mm -hmm. That's right. She was totally good to my girls. And there were times when I had issues with some of the things that she did. And I would bring that up through their father instead of to her in any way. But in all honesty, she is, she's done totally right by my girls. She's done the best that she can. So in my opinion, that relationship is incredible. And and the way that my girls have been able to experience that and have the love of not only my family and me and my husband's family and him and their dad's family and him and their stepmom's family and her, you know, her parents have accepted them. And it's just been a big, you know, we were talking because of the new baby. We're, t- we're talking, what is everybody going to call? Because you've got like 14 grandparents <laughs> the steps in the, in the bios and all of that. So it's just then 10 years ago, I was devastated. But looking back, it was probably the best thing that could have happened for my girls. Yeah. So we're not grandparents yet, but Lori already knows what her name's going to be. <laughs> <laughs> so my my oldest kid, um, he's in Japan. He served in the Air Force. And I went over last year and, and hung out with him for a little while. <laughs> and we were on the phone. Lori and I were on the phone and, and Avery and I were, I think we were just walking down the sidewalk in Japan. And somehow we got on this conversation about grandparents. And so Lori says to Avery, what are you going to have your kid call me when you have a, a kid? Because I don't want to be granny. Right. <laughs> and, and so he says, I'm going to have my kid call you old lady with a ham sandwich. (laughs) (laughs) I was like, okay, that's a new one. So I'm going to be old lady with a ham sandwich. That's hilarious. It is. I had a Nana growing up and I absolutely adore my Nana and shameless plug. I've recently written a book called Nana's Pearls. And while it's nothing involving my own Nana, there's definitely that connection still there. So I told her, I'm like, I will always be Nana. And I think one of my cousins actually 
with their mom. So it would have been like my second cousin or whatever said, every kid needs a Nana in their life. And I will gladly be the Nana in this kid's life. (laughs) Is that why you used Nana for your book? No, (laughs) I want to say, of course it is. My Nana gave me all of these amazing pearls of wisdom throughout her life. And I want that to be true, but it's not. I used it because I love my Nana and I wanted to honor her in some way there. It's a fictional story where the maternal grandmother of the stepmom gives these pearls of wisdom and they call her Nana. So that's where Nana's pearls came from. Okay. I think it's more of an autobiography that Megan's writing. She just don't want to tell anybody. Yeah. (laughs) It's it's actually not. And I do do (laughs) pinpoint the different stories that are true throughout it. One of the problems that I had with one of my stepdaughters actually was over stuffed animals. And I made such an idiot of myself over stuffed animals instead of having, you know, pick your battles as one of the pearls of wisdom that Nana gives this step family. And I wish somebody would have told me then, you know what, let's pick our battles. Really? Are you going to die on this hill of stuffed animals for your 12 year old stepdaughter? (laughs) So there are true stories written throughout the book, but the majority of them are fictional stories that we've known in our coaching career of different step families experiences. Well, now I want to know about the stuffed animal story. (laughs) I hate stuffed animals. Don't disown me, but I absolutely hate them. And for whatever reason, I picture like spiders and bugs and dust and all of the things like collecting in stuffed animals and they take up a ton of space. So I move into this house with, it's really a two bedroom apartment with three kids, plus all of my kids' stuff that I took with me, plus my husband and I. And at the time his parents were living there to help with childcare for his kids. So his parents were transitioning out. I was transitioning in. And I thought that the stuffed animals had to go. So I told her she could keep two and the rest of them were gone. And I shattered that poor little 12 year old girl's life. Like, who am I to come in and say, you can't keep these treasured stuffed animals. And that was a big fight in our family for a long time about stuffed animals. And now we can joke about it. She's 22 years old and she probably has as many stuffed animals now as she did. (laughs) She's in counseling. Poor thing. (laughs) Right. For sure. The million dollar question is here, Megan, did you know what you were getting into? No. (laughs) Because for some reason, we're all supposed to know that. Everybody says that. Well, you know what you were getting into. You know, I thought that this was going to be so easy. Kids love me. I have great relationships with kids. I'm a great mom. This is going to be so much fun. Yeah, that's not at all (laughs) what happened. And the hard part for my husband and I is how much it affected our marriage, how much it affected our relationship because of the unmet expectations from not only the kids, but from each other as well. Mm -hmm. Yes. Um, I want to back up a second and tell you that one of the biggest fights that I got in with David's kids, two of the triplets anyway, was over a (laughs) Yoo-Hoo. Oh, Okay, now I have to hear that story. <laughs> well, do you know what a yoo is? Yeah. Okay, just want to make sure. Well, some people might not. Yeah, a yoo a chocolate malted drink, almost like chocolate milk, but it's got a lot of whey in it or something. I don't know. Anyway, they're actually pretty good if you get them cold and shake them up really good. <laughs> Well, we had the issue of with him having so many kids, you know, they would go through a 12 pack of Yoo-Hoo's if they drank one a day in two days. And so the kind of thing was, is I would hide my son's snacks or keep them separate so they wouldn't get into them. Well, they got into the Yoo-Hoo's and it was for my son's lunch or snacks or whatever, because his kids weren't taking their lunch at the time. And so it just ended up this big fight. And yeah, that was the biggest fight that I got into with those kids. Mm -hmm. I remember standing at the bottom of the steps and one of them was kind of poking his chest out at me. I'm like, come on, big boy. (laughs) (laughs) Physically threatening my kids. The proud moment of fighting with a 12-year-old. 
Yeah. Right. Over stuffed animals or a yoo-hoo. Yeah. 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 It's, yeah. It's amazing. Amazing what we'll do sometimes. Not my most proud moment for sure. Right. Nope. And that's why we teach, you know, pick your battles. That's something huge that we teach. I saw it today. Somebody was talking about, you know, I didn't say goodbye to my stepdaughter on, on Facebook, you know, and I'm like, really, you're going to be that petty with a six-year-old? Like, <laughs> I can't understand that. But we go to that level when we're that angry or that confused or our expectations aren't met to that extreme that we are going to go tit for tat for with our 12-year-old daughter over stuffed animals. Like, what are we doing? And we teach people, you know, pick your battles. Take your time to really decide what's worth it in the end and have these different milestones that'll help you understand what truly is worth fighting for. So someone posted that they were upset and didn't tell their six-year-old stepdaughter goodbye. Yeah, they were at a soccer game and she was like begging for attention by doing cartwheels and stuff like that and booing the team that they that she was supposed to be rooting for. She was just so mad that she was displaying that kind of behavior. So she didn't tell her goodbye. The stepdaughter didn't care. I know. <laughs> But she cared enough that she had to post this on Facebook. And it just breaks my heart. Like, but you're arguing with a six-year-old. Like, you're getting that petty. That's petty if, if it's a 30-year-old. But it's even so much more petty if it's a six-year-old. And nobody really cares. And you are so upset about it that you feel like you need to post it on Facebook. Yeah, you're right. It is petty. But we get that way, right? Like, I'm not being judgmental because we get that no, way. When yeah. expectations aren't met or we have unforgiveness towards that person or whatever. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And when I was fully disengaged with the stepkids that when they would come in, I wouldn't say, hey, some people could say I was being petty. Well, the reason I didn't say hey to them is because if they didn't respond to me, it made me mad. Well, but you wouldn't say hey first. So if they say hey to you, you would say hey back. Right. But you wouldn't try to initiate that conversation. But a lot of people will say, you're the adult. Come on. You should say hey to the kids when they come in. But again, if I said, hey, you know, glad you're here. Good to see you, whatever. And they ignored me. It made me mad. Then my anger moved to David. Teach your kids to be respectful and acknowledge my presence. Then it kicked into, you know, it just Stop spirals. calling me a bad parent. What's wrong with you? <laughs> So, yeah, we see the petty stuff in our Facebook group all the time. The best one is if the stepkids leave trash or laying around, put it on their bed. Worst advice ever. Right. No, no. Right. You're, you're, you're asking to get divorced. Right. You do stupid stuff like that. Yeah, absolutely. Yep. Thank God we didn't get divorced over the yoo-hoo and the stuffed animals, though, right, Megan? <laughs> oh, it was close. <laughs> it was close. It, yeah, it was close here, too. We always uh, joke because I was so far away from my family. We always joke that I so many times wanted to say it's over, and he so many wanted, times wanted to say, here's a one-way ticket. But something just stopped us both to say, no, we have to give this a try. But there were times when man, we could have just thrown in the towel and gone separate directions. If I would not have sold my house, I'd be gone. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yep. I'd have kicked the renters out and been like, you got to go. I'm coming back. Right. <laughs> no. Yeah. Right. We were pretty much beyond gone. I don't even know how we even made it past that little rough patch. Because you love me so much. And at the time, I didn't. Dated. <laughs> <laughs> at the time, we were both driving down the driveway because we have a long driveway. It's like, I don't know, like a tenth of a mile long. So, <laughs> you know, it, it took like 20 minutes to drive a tenth of a mile. It was like, God, I don't want to go home. <laughs> Yeah, to the point that you're like, I wonder if anybody's hunting. What's the probability of me getting shot by accident? <laughs> I don't want to walk back through that door. No, it's like, oh, uh, you have to, you know, breathe and do yoga exercises before you open the door up. Right. Yeah, and the, the whole ride home, you already made yourself mad because you're projecting what you think is going to happen. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So how long have you and your husband been doing blended family coaching? 
Um, we have been active in it. <laughs> That's a loaded question. We've tried to do it in the past and it just, you know, when I say tried, we, we maybe did a few things and then we gave up or got sidetracked. I um, am famous for following rabbit trails, which are, will lead to nowhere. And <laughs> long story short, I have a career in human resources and that I was just not able to open the doors for that. And I couldn't figure it out. And, and finally, one day I had just recently lost my job. It was Thanksgiving. So we were living in Nebraska at the time. We came to Carson City for Thanksgiving and we drove back to Nebraska, which is an insane drive all the way across I-80. And on the way back, we got a call from our youth pastor at our church that said that his brother had actually died in Washington, D.C. the day before. Ah. And he needed somebody to go with him to Washington, D.C. to pick up the ashes and go through his stuff and do everything that you have to do when there's a sudden death in the family. And his mom couldn't go and his wife was was largely pregnant. So Dwayne, can you please go with me to Washington, DC? So my poor husband, we got home, he slept that night and then he drove to Washington, DC. So he literally drove from Carson City, Nevada, all the way to Washington, DC in like four days. Hmm. And I was stuck home alone without a job, without anything. We really were kind of broke and I was praying and I'm like, I don't even know what I'm playing Candy Crush and binge watching probably Friends because that's my favorite show ever. And I'm praying like, I don't even know what I'm going to do with my life. And an ad for Liberty University came across my screen and it said, have you ever thought about being a Christian counselor? And I'm like, oh, well, no. So long story short, before my husband got back from DC, I was fully enrolled full time into Liberty University <laughs> online. I purchased all my books. I'd done everything and I got a job as a waitress. So that way I could waitress and put myself back through school and get my degree in Christian counseling. I now have my master's degree in pastoral counseling. And through that, I knew that I needed to be who Dwayne and I needed 10 years ago. I knew that I needed to be the person that could say, okay, is this really a battle worth fighting? <laughs> Let's pick our battles. I knew that I needed to be the person to say, there's obviously some unforgiveness issues here. Let's work through those unforgiveness issues. And over the last, it took me five years to get my master from, from very beginning of my bachelor's degree to get my master's degree. And over the last five years, I've written a book. We've started a YouTube channel and we do one-on-one coaching. And now we have an enrichment program that that's a six week long online program at your own pace. So it's probably, it's been a big morph of different things that we've done over the last six years. I didn't drive across the world or anything, but... <laughs> We started Nacho Kids in 2013, and it was kind of hush-hush. You know, we didn't really publicize it. I had the website. I had the secret Facebook group where I would rescue stepmoms that were being tortured in other Facebook groups. And then we started doing the podcast, but I had what I call post-traumatic stepmom disorder. When we would start talking about things that had happened, it hurt all over again, just like it was brand new. Yeah. So I'm like, I'm, we're not ready. I'm not ready for this. And long story short, over the years, I got better with that. I created the public Facebook group. We started doing the podcast. We created the Nacho Kids Academy. And we had already planned on doing the podcast and the Nacho Kids Academy. And I got laid off from work. Oh. So it's like, oh, perfect timing. Right. But because I already wanted to do it full time, but I wasn't able to. I was afraid to take that step because mostly health insurance and a stable income. Yeah. And so it's kind of like one of those things where it's like, hmm, look, I'm going to help you out. You're laid off. Now, what choices do you have? How long ago was that? Uh, Two years. Okay. Awesome. Yes. So we've had a busy two years. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it looks like we're going to have a busier next 20 years. <laughs> 
that's how we are too, you know, planning out our next, you know, 20 years or whatever. We really only go five years out, but planning our next five years, it's crazy. And it's crazy to think that this was the path that we had, you know, I never saw it coming. And I totally relate to you. Even yesterday, I had somebody reach out to me and tell me that they were going to go through divorce. And he told me the reason why we didn't do your marriage enrichment class is because my wife didn't trust you because you didn't have custody of your kids. And it was like, ouch, like you took one thing that I really was self-conscious about. I mean, what kind of mother loses custody of her kids? And that's horrible. And, and you took that. And even yesterday, like we have so much help. We have helped so many families. We have done so much research to develop these courses. And that one, you know, like you said, that post post-traumatic stepmom disorder, like that, that like triggered me last night. And I had to work through that. Like you don't define who I am and I'm confident in what I've done. And <laughs> that was hard. So I totally can relate to that. We've learned that there are people that won't help and people that will find excuses to not get help. Mm -hmm. And there are people that just want to complain. Right. And unfortunately, we can't help everybody. Yeah. You have to be willing to put the work in because this isn't easy. It's not like you can join the Nacho Kids Academy and just by joining, we, you know, your life's perfect. No, (laughs) it it takes a lot of work. I mean, I joined a gym and I lost weight immediately. Exactly. Right. We always, we always say that we will give you the tools, but it's just like us handing you a wrench. If we just hand you a wrench, it's a useless chunk of metal. And until you apply it for the tool that, I mean, the thing that it was built to do, it's never going to work. So we can give you the tools. We can hand you the wrenches, but if you don't do the work to apply that to your marriage, it's never going to work. And you're going to continue in the cycle that you're in. Right. And if you try to use it on a banana, it's not going to work. Right. Right. Use the right tools. Yeah. 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 We had somebody ask us one time, uh, how successful is your Nacho Kids Academy program? And my response to them was, well, how successful are you at following through? Right. Right. (laughs) The program works, but are you going to work? Yeah. Yeah. And I think a lot of people underestimate or misunderstand. They think nachoing is easy. Oh, you just step back and don't do nothing. Let me tell you something. Learning to keep my mouth shut was the hardest thing I've ever done in my life. Mm-hmm. Yeah, It is not easy, <laughs> especially when you're a type A person and you like control. No, no, no. <laughs> yeah, But so much has came out of that. Just like I'm sure that you've not only learned through your studies of becoming a Christian counselor, but also, I mean, you can't beat experience. Right. I'd rather go to a counselor that has been through hell and back to help me get through hell and come back than to go with somebody that's got four master's degrees and doesn't know what a blended family is. Right. Now, is your husband also a certified Christian counselor? He's not. Um, my husband is currently at work right now. He is actually a veterans representative. So he helps disabled veterans find employment, find and gain employment. And that's what he does. Um, our goal is for him to come home full time. But right now, like you said, the benefits are nice. <laughs> and we are looking at doing that sooner rather than later. But for now, that's where he's at. Well, when he gets laid off, you know, it's time. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> I thought you were going to say he was a veterinarian at first. Oh, no. No, he's a a stuffed animal veterinarian. (laughs) (laughs) Trying to heal his daughter's (laughs) stuffed animals, broken hearts as Megan tossed them out the window. (laughs) (laughs) But you know, when you were telling that story, I remember I was probably six or seven, maybe. And (laughs) I probably should not share this with the world, but I'm going to anyway. So I had my stuffed animals and I had my favorites. Well, then I started feeling bad for the ones that weren't my favorites. So I took all my stuffed animals and piled them up on my bed 
over top of my covers and me so they could all <laughs> sleep with me that night. That sounds exactly like something you do. It does. Mm-hmm. Sweet. That's probably exactly what my 12-year-old stepdaughter was doing, and I just ripped them all out of her life. <laughs> She's probably still doing it. Yep. Choose two. <laughs> Choose two. No. She's like, I know the two I ain't choosing. It's called you and daddy. <laughs> <laughs> Right, exactly. <laughs> oh, Lord, I could not imagine. Oh, it was disastrous. And she's so sweet. She um, took on a lot of the parenting role because of the lack of parenting that she experienced in her life without, again, insulting her mother or my husband. She was very much, you know, the mini wife syndrome. She had it hard. And that was, so, that was, it was a hard transition for her specifically, but she's so sweet and she's totally a daddy's girl. And she's grown into this beautiful woman that I am just so proud of, but her and I butted heads more than anybody else in the entire blended family blend at all. Well, it's a good thing. I didn't have a stepmama that told me oh, I could only keep two stuffed animals because right. I was a very vindictive child. Oh. I, I would have poisoned you. <laughs> yeah, she wasn't vindictive. She's she's just super sweet and extremely compliant, but you could just see her little heartbreak. And now she's become this strong, independent woman that just is an incredible, you know, but back then it was, it you could just almost see her heartbreak. Oh, I'm sure. You know, I remember asking my husband, like, what time do we leave for whatever, uh, whenever Hannah's ready? <laughs> oh, okay. So she controls everything that happens in this house. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. So when... You said that about the stuffed animals. Had you taught that over with your husband prior? Oh, no. No? No, I did everything wrong. I created World War III in my house in that moment with the stuffed animals is what I did. Not only for my poor stepdaughter, but for my poor husband who like, okay, so I'm a horrible dad because I allow her to have 14 stuffed animals. Like in that moment, I did everything wrong. Mm -hmm. That's what we tell people. We have a major success built on top of even more major failures. Mm-hmm. <laughs> right. Yeah, exactly. We have failed our way to a successful marriage is what we have done. Exactly. Yeah. 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 Cause we're, we're just a little bit ahead of you. We just celebrated 11 years. Oh, well, congratulations. Thank yeah, you. Sure did. So I guess just as we were emerging from the pits of hell, you were getting into it. Right. Yeah. Well, I, yeah. think, I think we saw them as we were going out. Yeah. <laughs> we, we waved at you said, suckers. <laughs> Good luck. <laughs> our turning point, it, this is so romantic and I love to tell the story. Our, pointing, our turning point is my husband had planned a surprise vow renewal at our new church in Nebraska. I didn't know very many people. We were finally closer to family. So his whole family was closer to us, but not in the same community. And we go to church on a Sunday morning, any normal Sunday morning, and all of his family started showing up. I'm like, what are they doing here? And then they walked in with a wedding cake. And I'm like, okay, what is going on? I had no idea. And before the church service started, our pastor called us up and had us renew our vows in front of everybody. And I'm like, you are so lucky that in that moment, I didn't have the thought to say, wait a minute, is this an escape plan? Like, what if I don't say I do again? <laughs> so your husband was smart enough to know that I ain't going to ask her to do this. because Right, don't give her a way out. <laughs> exactly. Put her on the spot. That way she'll <laughs> she'll just go along with it. Yeah, when we got married, it was just us and his kids in the church and the pastor that married us. And that was it. So this time, like all of his family was there. He invited everybody from my new work, my new job. Like there was a ton of people there. And I'm like, oh my goodness, we're actually like having a wedding. Like this is weird. That's so sweet. Yeah, it was. Mm -hmm. That was really our turning point. And it was then that we decided like, we're either going to do this. We're either all in or we need to just stop. 
because we're not fooling anybody. We are, you know, everybody knows that we're a disaster. We're just a mess right now. And we either need to fix this and go all in, or we need to stop. And that was really our turning point. Like it's all or nothing. This is us. This We're going to make this work. Well, and that's what we tell people too. You cannot have one foot out the door and expect anything to work to save your marriage. Right. You have to be all in. And so when David and I decided, okay, we're all in too, it <laughs> was divorces off the table, mm-hmm. separations off the table. We are going to get through this. We are going to notch our way through it and we are going to be successful. Yeah. I remember <laughs> it's funny. Look, you know, when you look back on certain things, and I remember she had scheduled a time to go to our church and talk to some of the counselors at our church because we were having marital issues. And so um, we drove separately because we did, we couldn't even be in the same car together. <laughs> so we drove separately. We get there. There's three different people there. And I'm like, they had a space to part, like, like on Jerry Springer, so they, they could <laughs> jump in the middle of us in case we attacked each other. We were in a circle. And it's crazy, though. Yeah, we were in a circle, and it's like David and I were almost diagonally from each other or something. It, it was really weird. Yeah, it was. It, so I was almost laughing because I'm like, what do they think? One of us is going to attack the other person or something? Well, I'm sure they've seen some crazy stuff. But uh, but I do remember the lead pastor that was there. He said. Pastor Paul. Yeah, he said, he looked at me and he said, and he asked both of, both of us this question, but he said, so, you know, do you want to stay married? And I remember looking at him going, I don't want to stay married like this. Right. And, um. And so that was kind of the point in which it was like, look, it's not that we don't want to stay married, but we don't want to keep going down this path the way it is. We've got to figure out things to change because what we're doing as good intentioned as it is. It is not working for us. Mm -mm. And, you know, it's funny because I think when he asked me, my response was, well, I don't want to have to up and move again. (laughs) (laughs) and Rip my little boy out of school. And I mean, really, that's a big thing. And. For David, if we would have split up, it would not have been as traumatic on him and his kids. But for me and my son, we'd have to go find another house. We'd have to, he'd change schools because I wasn't living in this podunk town. (laughs) And, you know, it would have been a major change for us. Right. One of the things David had suggested when we were going through these issues is, okay, let's back up. How about we find you somewhere to stay? You stay there. (laughs) We'll go back to kind of dating. We won't get divorced, but it'll just uh, to alleviate the stress and to alleviate the. Alleviate you being here. Right. (laughs) And my response was, if I leave, I'm not coming back. Yeah. I mean, really, let's think about this. Why would you leave hell and go back intentionally? (laughs) You wouldn't. Right. So, and I knew me. I knew me well enough to know, look, dude, if I pack my stuff up and I move my kid I'm not going to move down the road and I'm not coming back. Right. It's going to be woohoo, new life. Let's go. So I was like, fine, whatever. Yeah. <laughs> but now we do see, and I'm sure you do too, some blended families that the step parent, the bio parent have chosen to live separately. Yeah, actually, um, we worked with a couple that, that was that way. They have the same custody schedule. So they're week on week off with their bio children. And they each keep homes for their week on with their bio children and their week off, they live together. Mm -hmm. And that seems to work well for them, right? 
Oh, absolutely. Yeah. They, and, and I say we work with them. I don't think they ever came through any of our courses. I've talked to them a couple of times, but they are, they're very well adjusted. They're very well-rounded. Um, yeah. But the thing that's missing is that the kids don't have a relationship at all with the step-parents. Right. Right. Yeah. So it's, it's like one of those things where it works, but there's also problems that they may not know about. They're right. not there yet um, right. with those problems. And that's, you know, it's kind of way things tend to happen. And I know for me, and you kind of brought it up earlier, but for me, when I went through my divorce, it didn't take me long to start thinking along the terms of what are my kids going to see as a relationship? Because now they're not around a, a married couple anymore, other than my parents, but their mom's not in a marital relationship. I'm not in a marital relationship. They're at the point in their lives where they're forming all of these opinions and of how family units are and all that. And I was like, man, I've got to do something. I've got to do something to show them what a family unit looks like. And you know, if nothing else, they saw us fight for our marriage. Oh yeah. Right. We encourage our couples to come up with a mission statement for their marriage, for their family. And that's ours. That's Dwayne and I's mission statement is to be the marriage that reflects God and love to others. And more importantly, to our children. And statistically, our kids as kids of divorce are 75% more likely to divorce themselves because that's the pattern that they've seen because they've seen failure. They've seen people giving up on each other. They've seen, you know, whatever, even if it's affairs or what, if it's a domestic violence situation, they've seen it. And it's, we feel like Dwayne and I's job is to show them what a healthy marriage is supposed to be. And one of our mentors, I'm, I don't know if you're familiar with him, but we follow and love Andy Andrews. He always says that our goal as parents is not to raise good kids. Our goal as parents is to raise good adults. Mm-hmm. I heard that on Dr. Phil. <laughs> oh, did you? <laughs> Andy Andrews is the only person that I've ever heard quote it. But in our opinion, good adults need to know that the world doesn't revolve around them. Good adults need to know that you need to try for what you love and you need to really be involved in your marriage in order for it to succeed. And so many times I always say this so that it's horrible, but parents put so much time, love, money, and effort into their kids. And those kids are going to be adults. <laughs> and when they're adults, nobody's going to put that same time, love, money, and effort into them unless it's still you. And they need to learn what it is to be independent. They need to see through example what it is to have mom and dad actually leave the house and go on a date night. That's not going to hurt your kids. And we've raised this society of children that believe you can't miss a soccer game. You can't miss this. You can't miss that. But in reality, no, I can go away for a weekend with my husband and you guys are well taken care of. You're fed. Your needs are provided for you. But right now, you are not the most highest priority. And that's that was the biggest thing for Dwayne and I to be able to reflect to our children, our marriage is the highest priority in our home. And that comes first. Not that we neglect our children, not that we don't love our children, not that they aren't the world to us, but in our home, our marriage is the highest priority. Man, my parents must have known you in some past life or something because they never showed up for any beta club inductions. <laughs> I don't agree with that either. I, I We tried really hard to make it to the most games that we possibly could. and But Thursday nights were date nights. And for us with the kids, with the custody schedule, once we moved to Nebraska, the custody schedule changed so that we have the kids 
every other weekend and Thursday nights, they were with their mom. So Thursday nights, no matter what, we had a date night and we missed volleyball games on Thursday nights and we missed whatever on Thursday nights. And the kids knew that. And they also knew that once a year we went away for a weekend and we'd try to do it on a weekend that we didn't have the kids. And nine times out of 10, we did. But if they heard of these fun things that we did when we went away, they'd get angry with us. Like they'd be jealous. Like, how come you don't ever take us on fun things? Oh, I'm sorry, because we're feeding our marriage. <laughs> Let me ask you something. You said, we know that your kids stayed with their dad yes. and then you would go see them and spend time along with them for the summer or I guess extended school breaks and things. Yes. So did Dwayne have any interaction with your kids? Oh, yes. So before they became high school kids, something that nobody really warns you about is your kids really don't leave you after the age of like 15 or 16 years old. They don't even want to be a part of your life. <laughs> and nobody warns you of that because as a mom, you want to hold on so tightly. But about 15 or 16, both of the older kids, they're only 14 months apart. And they both decided, you know what, we're not going to come spend the summers with you in Nebraska anymore because we have church camp, we have soccer camp, we have basketball camp. All of our friends are here. We don't want to give up our summer anymore. So that is when I decided to come to Nevada and I'd spend a couple weeks with them or I would do whatever with them instead of them coming to us. Okay. So before they would come to you during that time. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Or Dwayne and I would travel and uh, we always joke that we spent more time with my kids in a car than anything else. Cause we'd come pick them up and then we'd drive, we'd, we'd road trip and we'd have, that was our vacation is the drive to or from or whatever. And with the kids, that was our summer break is to pick them up and drop them off. So, you know, we'd pick them up and then drive to a family reunion in Idaho. Like we joked that we spent a lot of vacation time with my kids, but that was just how the dynamic was. Right. Mm -hmm. I guess I was lucky because my kids, they wanted to be around me even when they were teenagers. Oh, yeah. My oldest, who's who's going to be the mom, she actually graduated high school in June and she called me and her dad in July and said, hey, guess what I did today? And we were like, what did you do today? And she got married. <laughs> oh, <okay. laughs> so then she called us. So that was in July. And then in October, she called us and said, hey, guess what I did today? And I thought for sure she was going to tell us then that she was pregnant. And I'm like, what do you do today? And she goes, I joined the Navy. Oh, okay. <laughs> so she's always just kind of done her own thing. Since she graduated high school, she's lived with her her husband, who's a Marine. And then she joined the Navy in October. So they've been out on their own doing their own thing. And really, when they were like 15, 16, they didn't want us anymore. <laughs> But you know what's funny is you're telling us that your daughter called and said this and your daughter called and said that. But look what you did in the brief amount of time that your husband went to Washington to pick up somebody's ashes and stuff. I know. It's crazy. And we always... <laughs> Yeah, it's crazy. And I remember like even when our kids, they wanted to drive the older two, I always lump them together because they're only 14 months apart. And then the youngest came five years later. Um, so the older two wanted to drive from their dad's house to my mom's house, which is like 300 miles. And their dad was like so against it and was so mad and angry. And I'm like, dude, do you remember when we were in high school and we headed to San Diego for like 500 miles? Like nobody stopped us then. Why do you care about your daughters? <laughs> <laughs> different when it's your child versus you. <laughs> mm -hmm. And it's different when it's daughters versus boys. Yeah, that's true too. Definitely. Yeah. I wouldn't know. I don't, never had daughters. That was by the grace of God. <laughs> he sure was. <laughs> He's only got girls. My ex-husband only has girls. He used to tell me all the time that um, it's not worth trying. It's not worth trying again to get another girl. It's not worth trying for a boy to end up with another girl. And imagine how our poor TJ, <laughs> the youngest daughter, feels about that comment. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. All right. 
<laughs> well, we're going to name you TJ because that's the closest thing I can name you. That's exactly it. She was going to be TJ, whether she was a boy or a girl, like she was. <laughs> <Yep>. <laughs> wow. There you go. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Megan, what would you say is the hardest thing that you see and have experienced even with your blend? Like what's the biggest struggle? It's It's got to be the lack of boundaries. People don't understand what boundaries are for. And we put up boundaries around the things that we protect, right? We put a, a fence around our house. We put strong boundaries around the things that are important to us. Beyond a fence, we'll put a security system in and we'll put all of this stuff. But we don't think that we need to put boundaries around our relationships and around our own well-being. And we think that we can, that people will just know and they'll just know that that's wrong and that makes us uncomfortable or that shouldn't happen. When in reality, no, those boundaries haven't been established and being able to communicate effective and strong boundaries is so important. And it's not something that's taught. It's not something that's discussed. And Dr. Cloud is, he actually wrote a book called Boundaries. He's like the father of boundaries. Mm-hmm. And he says all the time, where there's friction, there's a lack of, lack of boundaries. And we feel so much friction in our blood and families. So where is the lack of boundaries? And it might be our parenting styles. You know, it might be, we need to nacho. We need to put that boundary in place. It might be that we need to, you know, put a boundary around our in-laws. In-laws and ex-in-laws cause more issues in blended families. And I don't get it. Like put a boundary around that. You need to protect your relationships in order to do that. So that is probably the biggest thing is a lack of boundaries within a blended family is is the number one thing that leads to failure. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. I could tell you some in-law stories for sure. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Lord. There's a, lot of, there's a lot of boundary pushing going on around here. <laughs> mm. uh, yeah, I think we had to at least show up a couple times. No, th- that's not true. Well, we did with your ex, not with my mom. No, not, not that. Yeah. With the ex, we had to. We had to have the law remove her. And sometimes that's what boundary enforcing is. We have that right. Use that right. Like, why do you let that woman into your house? Why do you let that woman onto your property? Why are you letting that happen? Use that right. I'm sorry. I don't mean to laugh, but I just pictured like granny from the Beverly Hillbillies on the front porch with a shotgun pointed at David's ex going, get off my land. You don't live here no more. That's what you sounded like. (laughs) (laughs) But, you know, I do have to say that, again, I didn't understand the struggles everybody was going with when we started blending because I was too wrapped up in what I was struggling with. And in hindsight, David's mom had helped him so much with his kids. She took him to school because he had to be at work at four o'clock in the morning or five o'clock, whatever time it was. She would fix supper for everybody. I mean, she did so much. So when I came in, I pushed her out. Yeah. And I didn't realize it at the time. I thought, hey, lady, you need to stay out of my house. I don't know who you think you are coming over here when we're gone. But the reality of it was she was used to doing those things. And sweet little David over here did not set those boundaries (laughs) when we got married. It was my fault. Yes. (laughs) Lori, did you move into David's marriage home? Yeah, she sure did. That causes so many issues too. In fact, I wrote that into my book. You know, it's a fictional story. I did not. I didn't have that. Oh, aren't you just lucky? (laughs) (laughs) And I wrote that into my book that the stepmom did move into the marriage home. That's so hard. And then, you know, and then again, where are your boundaries? You know, there's new boundaries in this new home. And yeah, that's so hard. Well, we we recently added a deck to the house that's now hers. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Mm-hmm. 
We did. I'm very excited. (laughs) But yeah, I wrote a blog about this um, not too long ago because I see so many stepmoms struggle with this. And it usually is the stepmom that moves into the other marital home. Right. For our situation, David lives on family land. So it's not like he could just sell his house without creating some kind of, you know, Hatfields and McCoys thing or whatever it's called. (laughs) And so, and plus my house was way too small for all of us to live there. So it just made sense. But I didn't come in and like try to redo everything all at once. But I did have to remove the ugly lighthouse border that was all over every room of the house. (laughs) But when I started redecorating, one of his kids was getting mad. Yeah. He's like, what are you doing? This is our house. Or, you know, you're trying to get rid of our memories and replace it with all this brown junk. And again, I didn't think of it that way. But David never once made me feel like I couldn't do anything in this house to make it feel like it was mine. Oh, good. But after 10 years, well, we've been married 11. So I say I'm finally starting to feel like it's my house. (laughs) Yeah. You think you'll stay now? No. (laughs) When Papa's dead, we out of (laughs) here. You have to go by yourself. We get in a tiny home. I got too much invested in this house. I ain't going anywhere. Oh, no. Yeah, you're right with the porch and the deck. Yeah, don't. What was I thinking doing that investment? I don't know. Because you know you ain't going nowhere. Uh, I'm stuck in Podunk Town, (laughs) y'all. At least you're stuck with me. (laughs) But the good thing is, Megan did not have to move into the ex's house. Yeah, that's that is a huge struggle amongst blended families, and that is the reason why I wrote it into my book because I know that you know Taya is the main character in my book, and I know that she's not alone. I know that that happens all the time that blended families. That you, like you said, usually it's the stepmom that moves into the home and having to make that your own. Not only that, but your kids, like your kids need to be able to fit in there. Your kids need to be able to have their own space there. Yeah. That's such a huge dynamic. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I remember like the first Christmas together, David's kids were doing something with the ceramic Christmas tree that David had. They were putting the little lights on it and my son wanted to help. And they're like, no, we do this. And it just broke my heart. Yeah. And I'm like, you make them let him play. And I just felt like my son was the redheaded stepchild. He yeah. was. He should have went and played in the road. <sighs> David. <laughs> How old is your son, Lori? My sweet little baby's 15. Okay. <laughs> yep. He's at the age where he don't have anything to do with her. <laughs> <laughs> I do have to say that Jackson has built great relationships with David's kids. Yeah. He talks to them more than David probably does. Yeah, he does. And I was worried about when they left because Jackson was so little when we got married that he referred to him as the brothers. Right. Not the stepbrothers. And they refer to him as the stepbrother if they oh. refer to him at all. But when they went to leave, I told one of them, I said, please don't forget my baby. Y'all were always got besides me. He was like, eh, whatever. And (laughs) (laughs) needless to say, I said something to one of them one day. I was like, yeah, Jackson, whatever. And they're like, yeah, I know. I talked to him a minute ago. I'm like, what? They're like, yeah, I talked to him every couple of days. I'm like, oh, it just makes my heart happy. I mean, they're in one's in Japan and one's in California. Two's in Japan. Well, two's in Japan, but the other one don't really talk to Jackson much. He don't talk to nobody much. (laughs) But, you know, one of them's in Japan. And I mean, he still reaches out to my son and it's just awesome. Yeah. Yesterday, Lori's phone rings and it's two of my kids calling her on on the Facebook app. I'm like, what are they doing calling you? (laughs) (laughs) They missed me. They did the five love languages thing and wanted to tell me. Yeah. Yeah, so they they have an amazing relationship, but um, so you you mentioned this book, and I have to I have to ask you something here. Uh oh. So here's something that we're we're struggling with, and we're we've not published a book yet, 
but we we struggle with people thinking that it's okay to either use our trademark name or do copyright infringement, take things from our blogs or whatever and make it like they said it. Do you right? Have you had that happen? I have. We are just barely in pre-sales. Pre-sales actually started yesterday and I have already had people um, from my book launch team take screenshots of the PDF that I have. And then I I don't know if you guys are familiar, but Canva is such an easy Mm -hmm. way to build quotes and cute IG posts and whatever. And she made a cute IG post out of my material. And that's not the only time that that's happened. I've had people Um, you know, it's encouraged if you watch people on how to build an Instagram following, like save, um, things that hit home. So one of, one of the people that I follow is Trey and Leah's stronger marriage workshop. I absolutely love Trey and Leah. I love what they portray. Some of the things that they say, they say things like, um, touch your spouse more than you touch your phone, which cracks me up. Quit touching me, David. (laughs) (laughs) And I'll save that post. So that way I can either requote it exactly from them, or I can rewrite it in my own way, which to me, I think that's acceptable in a world where we're all trying to grow on social media. That's acceptable. But when you are literally taking my material, my hard thought out things and just making them your own, like on Canva, all I ask is for you to just give me the credit. Like, Build your following. Yes. Build your following with my quotes. You know, I've done it several times. I think that I quoted Andy Andrews and Dr. Cloud in this <laughs> this podcast. And it'd be stupid of me to not do that because these are the people where I got the wisdom that I'm trying to make my own and pass on to other people. So it's just very frustrating from that point of view that there are five very specific pearls of wisdom that we teach, that we've built courses around, that now we've written a book on, that we bring through people through. And for somebody else to take that, um, it hurts. They say that writing a book is like having a baby. And it's like they're taking pictures of my baby and putting it on Facebook as their own. <laughs> and that's not cool. Yeah. 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 Look well, at my baby. <laughs> yeah. We've had instances throughout the seven years that you know, I would run across stuff and I'm like, that's mine. I wrote that. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, whoa, whoa, that's not right. Or whoa, whoa, hang on. You ain't doing nacho. That's my thing. You know, because we do have it trademarked. And so we try not to be rude about it, but I'll contact people and say, look, you know, nacho kids, nacho is trademarked. So, you know, would you mind giving us credit for it or, you know, linking to our website or changing your blog or whatever it is, your article. And a lot of times they would rather change the article mm-hmm. than to yeah. just give you, all they had to put was nachokids.com beside it. Right. Or created by Lori and David Sims or something. Right. Or this ain't mine. <laughs> <laughs> this ain't mine. Yeah. I can do this. Yeah. Yeah, it just amazes me how how ruthless people are. But I I think that I just need to to rest on my own morals that I know what I'm doing is correct. And I know that what I'm doing works. And imitation is the most... Yes, a serious form of flattery. Yeah. And right, that just means that what we're putting out there is good material. And that just means that it's hitting home to people and they feel like it's it's good. So I just need to rest on that. And Mm -hmm. honestly, I have put so much blood, sweat, tears, and work into developing these five... Um, pearls and really being able to teach them that nobody's going to be able to compete with me when it comes to my work. (laughs) Nobody ever will be able to compete with me. And that's kind of what my publisher has told me that, you know, you need to rest on that, that this, this is yours. No, but people will tell you what the pearls mean, even though you created it. (laughs) Absolutely. They will argue with you about what the pearls mean. (laughs) 
Like, shouldn't I know? I wrote the book. No, no, you, you shouldn't know. Right. We had somebody arguing with me in the Nacho group, and she's like, who do you think you are, the creator of Nacho? I'm like, well, yes, I am. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you very much. Yeah. So, I mean, my thing is, look, copyright infringement, trademark infringement, it's theft. I don't care how you look at it. It's stealing. And I'm going to call you out for being a thief. And I'm going right. to treat you like a thief. I mean, come on. Have a little bit of integrity. David's not as nice as I am. <laughs> He's like, you tell them we're going to burn them a new one. They don't get rid of that. <laughs> <laughs> we'll take their whole site down and ruin their life. And I'm just like, hey, sorry to bother you, but I noticed that you wrote this. And, you know, it is a trademark. Well, it's just funny that how many people get offended that you call them out on it. It's right. like, don't get offended. You stole it. Yeah. I mean, if somebody walked in my house and stole a $100 bill, which I'd look at Lori and go, why we have a $100 bill laying around? But if somebody stole it, I wouldn't just go, oh, it's not going to be okay. I'm like, look, dude, you can't do that. Don't, mm-hmm. don't, get, don't get mad because I caught you stealing something out of my house. It's the same thing. Right. And I do like you. I'll screenshot stuff a lot of times and or share it on Facebook. Mm-hmm. I don't use anything directly. If it has from, you know some other place, then I give them credit for it because it's not mine. And I don't want people to think it's mine. Right. Mm-hmm. So anyway, speaking of things that aren't ours, <laughs> Megan, tell people how to find you online <laughs> and, and your book again. Um, the book is called Nana's Pearls. And you can go to nanaspearls.club and get all the information that you want from there. Um, I, I hope that the purchase link is up. It was supposed to be as of this afternoon. So hopefully by the time this airs, it will be up. But nanaspearls.club is the official website for the book. You can get a hold of me through brokenthenumber2blessed.com. That's how you can find and get in touch with me as well as on Facebook. Um, I am actually <laughs> Megan Bob. B-O-T-T-O on Facebook because Facebook says my last name is derogatory. <laughs> and you can find us on Instagram at broken two underscore blessed. Uh, okay, hang on a second. Because we didn't when we said your name, I didn't say what your last name was. So Megan, what is your last name that is derogatory? My last name is bottom, so just the opposite of top. Bottom. Mm-hmm. So you see, so you could have had a boy and named him Rock. Oh, we have so many jokes. <laughs> <laughs> I pick, I pick like people that my kids can date based on their last name. Cause I'm like, okay, if you hyphen that last name with bottom, that would be perfect. Oh, <laughs> oh man. I, that, that would be a fun game to play at dinner. <laughs> yeah. But, um, Facebook says that bottom is derogatory, uh, for me and all of my stepkids, we're not allowed to be bottoms. My husband is his brother is his brother's wife is, and all of their kids are, but me and my stepkids can't be bottoms. So <laughs> we aren't. I know it's kind of crazy. And um, if I, I've tried for 10, 11 years now trying to change my last name and it says that it's um, deemed against Facebook policy and derogatory names are unacceptable. So every time you think, see something derogatory on Facebook, just remember, I can't have my last name. <laughs> well, I'm thinking all the crap I do see that is a lot worse than somebody's last name being bottom. Mm-hmm. I know. I know. Yeah. Yeah. So if I could look up your your YouTube profile, I'll probably have to click the thing that says, I agree, I'm over 18. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's another story that I won't go there because you probably won't be able to post this podcast. But yeah. Weird I, things happen to me because of my last name. <laughs> yeah, I won't Google your name for sure. There's no telling what'll come up if I have bottom there. Megan's bottom. Right. I'm trying really hard to change the SEO, the search engine optimization to go on my favor. And I am struggling with that because of my last name. (laughs) 
Oh boy. I didn't even think about that, but yeah, I could see a bunch of Megan's bottoms coming up. And- <laughs> <laughs> That's horrible. I'm sorry. No, it is. It's just, and it's not things that I ever, ever thought I would be dealing with, but here we are. <laughs> yeah, that's, um, that's <laughs> never thought of that. That's funny. But it's a name that people will remember, right? <laughs> yep. Yeah. We'll never forget you, Megan Bottom. <laughs> that's right. So we are now at the bottom of this episode. <laughs> awesome. So, Megan, thanks so much for being on the podcast. Oh, you are welcome. Thank you guys for having me. Absolutely. All right. Talk to you soon. Okay. All right. Bye. bye. I love Megan's story about the stuffed animals. <laughs> yeah, you would. Do you remember that? Uh, I remember she took the stuffed animal away from the kid. She made the stepdaughter get rid of all the stuffed animals, but two. I should do that to you. No. Um, Re-listen to this, David. I don't know if you realize how many stuffed animals you have in storage. But they're for our grandbabies. Mm-mm. Uh-huh. Grandbabies are one of them old stinking things. They ain't stinking. They are stinking. <laughs> they ain't stinking. Just because you put them in that vacuum pack thing, which actually it's not working anymore. It does work. No, the vacuum seal is broken. You must have broke it. You did something to it. Yeah, I'm sure I did. So you can go, oh, they stink. You need to get rid of them. Well, the good thing is um, you won't know for a long time after I get rid of them. David? (laughs) Yeah, I'm going to jump off on a tangent here for a second. (laughs) We talk about don't throw the stepkid stuff away, right? Mm Mm-hmm. We do talk about that. David, don't throw your wife's stuff away. When have I ever done that? Any chance you have. No. Remember we went to that yard sale and this huge community yard sale, and all of a sudden we hear this woman hollering at this man. Oh, gosh, yes. I know exactly what you're talking about. And we're like, okay, you know, it's like a train wreck. You can't help but not look. And Well, it wasn't, you know, here's what we were doing. We weren't looking. We were listening, but acting like we were shopping at their little table. Yeah. <laughs> Apparently, the man, we're going to assume was the husband, took her stuff (laughs) and sold it while she was out shopping the neighborhood for other stuff. (laughs) Because we hear, what did you sell? Where's my baby? What did you sell? Yeah, I heard her say something like. Oh, she cussed a couple times. She's like, none of your stuff's out here. Everything out here is mine. And I looked at David and said, that would be us <laughs> if we had a yard sale. Uh, no, because like I wouldn't do yours that way. Like I know if I'm going to get rid of your stuff, it's going to be like getting rid of a dead body. You got to be careful and cover your tracks. Don't leave any evidence. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I have an issue. I have several. But one of them is I have emotional attachments to things. Oh, is that why? Yeah, I need to look at that. Um, yeah, you do. I've, I'm look, working on it. For instance, the other day, David was cleaning out some stuff in a building, and he found something that my sister, that is no longer with us, gave me on my 21st birthday. Well, I can understand keeping that. And the nickel that I gave her (laughs) when I was six years old with a key ring and a stamp out of the cereal box. Okay, we're stretching a little bit. See, those are happy memories. Yeah, and you don't have many of those, so I can understand why you want to hold on to stuff. But I have learned through my trying to help myself <laughs> that a lot of things do trigger sadness. And some people hold on to those things too for like, for that reason, like they want to feel sadness. And so they go diving into those places. 
Right. So I've got some things that I still need to go through of my mom's, who passed away five years ago, almost six. And I've got some things that I still need to go through of my sister's that passed away three, almost four years ago. Because I don't want to do it. I just don't want to do it. You feel like you're throwing that person away when you get rid of stuff. So, and I know you can't understand that, David, but. No, because your son said if you died, everything would be thrown away the same week. That's fine. (laughs) But y'all going to hate it when y'all throw them pocketbooks away that I stashed some money in that I forgot about myself. Uh-huh. Okay, so we'll go through the pocketbooks and everything else is gone. <laughs> you better we'll go have through. a yard sale. Pocketbooks might have money in them. Yeah, you regret that. $100 a piece. <laughs> <laughs> and then you find out there's a $1.50 in it. It'd be a grab bag pocketbook. Yeah. So anyway, all that to say, I don't know what we were talking about. All that to say, if she ever passes away, look us up. We're having a big yard sale. An estate sale. Oh, yeah, that's what it's going to be. Mm-hmm. And David's going to sell my stuffed animals. I am. Yep. Well, that's if they're still here. I'm still trying to figure out how to dig a hole big enough to put them in. But if I pass away, they won't be able to look us up because, you know, Nacho kids will die with me. <gasps> that's sad. No, it can it can live on. Just portions of it will die. Like, yeah, like the interaction with me. Yep. But the videos will be out there to help people forever. Oh, look. See, you're leaving a legacy. I like that. I served a purpose. Yep. Hope I don't drop dead today. See, I told you your ex was wrong. You are not worthless. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) We really thank Megan for being a guest on the podcast and for taking the time to talk to us and let us explain what nachoing really is. Mm -hmm. And we look forward to talking to Megan again in the future. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. All right, David, you got anything else to say? Uh, No, I think I've dug myself a hole deep enough for today. Yes, you have. And maybe I'm going it, to go check my stuffed animals. Maybe I've dug a hole deep enough to put the stuffed animals in. Oh, Mr. California Raisin Man. Look, all, everything in my life that I've kept can be fit in one small box. You've got... That's not true. We got to go, David. Look, we're out of time. All right. So join us next week if Lori's still here. <laughs> or maybe if I'm still here. I don't know. Who knows? She's been watching a lot of this murder mysteries lately i think she's trying to figure out what mistakes other people made so she don't do it oh i got it (laughs) all right join us next week when we find out that life is still good when you nacho thanks for listening to this episode of the nacho kids podcast find us online at nachokids.com until next time remember life is good when you nacho